Welcome to Location Matters, the podcast from NGIS, covering the world of mapping and location technology. Hi everyone and welcome to Location Matters. My name's Sarah Butler and today we're going to be speaking with yet another technology partner that we know in the GIS and location intelligence space. This has been a bit of a focus series for us in the last few months as we come to grips with the pandemic and really looking at the influence and the impact that location intelligence can have on the way we digest the information that we're seeing. Today, I'm really happy and excited to be joined again by Florence Broderick, who's been on our podcast before. She is the marketing manager at Cardo, and she's joining us all the way from the UK. Amazing. Very cool. Thank you, Flo, very, very much for agreeing to be on the podcast with us today. So Flo's joining us at the moment from the United Kingdom. I know you're not in London at the moment, are you? I'm in the countryside, <laughs> so getting some fresh air. I mean, as every Londoner loves to do, you know, every Londoner loves to get out of London. I'm allowed to say that because I lived there for quite some time. So Flo, as I mentioned in the introduction, is joining us from a technology partner that we've worked with quite a while now, Cardo. And the reason that we've got Flo with us today, she's going to talk us through a little bit about what Cardo has been doing throughout the pandemic, putting out some really compelling content with regards to what we can do with spatial data um, and how we visualize different things that are happening around the world. And it's not always doom and gloom. I think that's the really important thing. You know, we can use spatial science to show us really, really wonderful insights during really dark times. So Flo, would you like to introduce yourself um, to our listeners who may have not have heard of you before because Flo has been on a lot of our podcasts, but for our new listeners, you can refresh their memory. For sure. So um, I look after marketing and sales development at Carto. We're about 150 employees at Carto and we're building the leading location intelligence platform uh, to, to analyze spatial data and help different customers in a wide range of sectors solve complicated spatial problems. And yeah, I mean, a lot of our team are based in New York and a lot of the team are also based in Madrid. So two areas that have been really hard hit during the pandemic. So it's been a very challenging couple of months or three months now, I think it's been. But actually the shift to working from home has not been so difficult for us, to be quite honest, because we are a company that has a lot of employees in remote and we, we, we're quite used to you know, the Zoom fire drill um, and using lots of different software platforms to make this work from home stuff easier. So we're doing okay, but uh, it has been a tough few months. I bet. I'm sure that you guys probably went into a lot of your content creation during this time thinking about that exact thing, about how, how your own team is being affected. I think a lot of the time in marketing we go into, you know, we're thinking about a whole different segment, a different group of people. You don't really approach these topics thinking about your own it's almost like your own work family did that really was that really at the forefront of your mind yeah absolutely um it's been more, I think it's more difficult for some people than others um for example I think this whole thing's been really difficult on some of our team who've got kids and uh, who are living in you know small apartments in the city with suddenly kids husband or wife also working from home or for some of our uh, younger employees who share a house with lots of people I think it's been it's been really tough like they just haven't had a chair or the right desk or whatever it might be so we've been doing our best to make sure they're as comfortable as possible and actually we're now starting to talk about the return to the workspace but I think our kind of daily virtual coffees have have got us all through this emotionally. Yeah same with us here as well we've been really making such a huge effort I actually feel like our office has become more connected 
in a way, which is really bizarre. I feel like we're more connected being apart than we were when we were together. Like we've always been good, you know, comrades and everybody's looking out for each other. But I think we're just more mindful now of like how we're all feeling and how, how we're coping with all of the news. And, and we're really lucky at the moment um, where I'm based in Perth. We, you know, we're, we're starting to make our way back into the workplace. But I think it's been a really nice time in some, in some ways during a really dark time. We've been able to get to know each other better. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm normally remote managing uh, quite a big team within Carto and I was previously the only one who was based in, in London. And so I think for, for a lot of my team, it's made them realise what it's like to be remote. And you end up talking to people who perhaps you wouldn't talk to in your day to day of just being in our Seville office or just being in our Madrid office because all of those barriers of location have actually come down. So I would completely agree with you. So let's rewind a little bit and let's go back to maybe mid to late February. I think that's when things really started to kick off. Everybody was aware of what was happening in China um, and how dire the situation was there. And then we saw the the coronavirus begin its, you know, impact in Europe um, within Italy. Hadn't really yet made it that much into Spain by that point, um, which I know is where a lot of your team resides. What is going through your head at this point? You know, you can see the world is starting to react more as the, the virus starts to spread. In the Cardo team, what are you guys thinking about how you could possibly contribute or react to this? Yeah, um, well, I think there was this over, overwhelming feeling within the company that there, there was no more important time to work in geography than to work in maps. Um, I think suddenly, you know, we're jumping on WhatsApp groups and our social media pages and everybody's sharing maps. And we're used to sharing lots of maps and looking at maps all the time. But suddenly it became very clear that spatial analysis and, and visualisation was going to be very important. And just location in general. I mean, we've never seen politicians talking so much about location and two meters, digital contact tracing, so many different applications. Um, and so we soon realized that actually it was going to be a, a busy few months. And so we very quickly decided that we needed to do something to get our technology into the hands of as many people as quickly as possible. And we were actually just in a, a team meeting and, and the idea of starting a grants program emerged. And we very quickly threw out a landing page from the marketing department. In fact, we just extended our normal grants program, which is for nonprofits, to anybody who was doing anything to fight against the coronavirus. And we suddenly just had tons of applications coming in. I think we got featured in a few articles on Business Insider, Forbes, and suddenly all of these incredible volunteers, public, private organizations, nonprofits, just volunteers were just suddenly doing all of these amazing things. And it was really exciting to see all of that happen. I think it gave us all a lot of energy when we're all going through a tough time of maybe not seeing families, a family member being ill, some of the, the team even even lost some relatives. So I think it gave people energy to, to be at work and know that what they were doing was contributing to something that was helping with COVID. That's absolutely devastating to hear that about um, your team losing relatives. And I can't even imagine you know, how, how hard it was for you guys over there in Europe. I mean, we're, like I said before, we're really lucky here in Australia and it feels horrible in the same way as that you are relieved that we're, we've been so lucky here in Australia, but you, you also feel horrible just seeing and hearing everything that's happened. So very sorry to hear about that with your colleagues. On the grants program is something, and that's something I really want to talk to you about. I'd love to hear from you about some of the cool initiatives that came out of this. 
I, I watched a BBC News piece where you had some students who were using Cardo to do a volunteering program. Love to hear about that. But also a food bank initiative in New York for people who needed to get access to food and find the best way to get to a food bank, for example. What are some of the highlights for you and the team? Yeah, the, the students one was definitely a, a great one and they were featured on the BBC, which was, was exciting. But really it was a, a first or second year student at Cambridge University who decided I need to make a map of all the people who need their shopping or who need medication or who are shielding uh, and we need us students need to step up and, and help them out because obviously students like less vulnerable to the virus etc uh, and actually I just jumped on a zoom call with this with this guy and, and he showed me the builder map that he'd created and how they already had so many volunteers and, and so many people that needed help and they were essentially pairing based on proximity and based on how certain people could help and what help people needed, which was incredible. We've already seen that replicated in other countries as well. Um, and then the Food Bank one, a, an organization in New York called Territorial Empathy, very cool use case where obviously there's lots of canteens, restaurants who are providing meals to those who are most vulnerable. And in a city like New York, that's really, really relevant as there is a lot of very large vulnerable population there. Uh, and yeah, they were mapping those places and making sure that different charities had access to that information to make sure that people could go and get those meals. And then, I mean, one of the most exciting moments was one of our customers or champions in Ecuador. I used to work at Telefonica. He now has a consulting firm who are working directly with the Ecuadorian president to build kind of like a coronavirus hub where you could see mobility data, you could see cases, you could see casualties, you could see medical POIs. And essentially the entire government response was being managed from this dashboard. And suddenly he sent me a link one day and uh, it was the the president of, of Ecuador with a, a massive screen behind him with a Carto map on. And it was it was very exciting because it was like, wow, this isn't just a small group in a small country. It's actually the president of the whole country using our technology. So uh, that was very exciting. And there are plenty more stories. I could probably tell you 50, but I, I won't go on forever. So I think it's it's really nice to see what happens when you put this technology in the hands of people who maybe wouldn't otherwise be using it. I think that's something I've realised from the pandemic and it's something I've been talking to other technology providers about as well. It's like people before the pandemic maybe didn't think about the way the location impacts their day-to-day and what they do, but I feel like now we're all become really heightened to the the idea of location, like you said before, with social distancing, you know, 1.5 metres, you know, everything that we're doing at the moment by being socially distant is inherently location-based. So putting the the tools now in the hands of people who wouldn't previously have them at their hands has been really great. I've seen technology partners as well really demarcating the access to maps by removing the costs associated with using a technology like you guys provide. Um, We've had other partners who have also sort of made their services available for free during this time. With the Carter Grants program, how does that work? Do they have free access to use the maps for a certain time? Yeah, so we originally, none of us really knew what, uh, how long this was going to go on for. So we originally opened the program for three month grants, but there are so many amazing cases that are having such an impact that we've extended that for many of them. And we're completely flexible on that. That's one of the great things I think about being a an agile company in a moment like this is you can adapt. So so we've done that. And I think you're right. There's an incredible amount of generosity that has been shown in, in the tech world. One example of that being data providers. So we've seen some incredible human mobility data suddenly become available 
to understand movements of people. So uh, some of our partners, uh, Safegraph, Unicast, they suddenly started making social distancing products available to people for free. And in fact, some of our customers have even used that data specifically for COVID use cases. So I think there's been a great level of solidarity. And even just looking the more mainstream, Google suddenly launched their mobility data products and made that available. And that's really been in the spotlight, which is super exciting. It's an incredible data set. It's extremely large and extremely powerful. And then another great example was City Mapper. I'm not sure if you guys use City Mapper down under. I used to but, use uh, it when I lived in Europe. I love City Mapper. <laughs> it's the first yeah, time I've actually p- talked great. about City Mapper since I've moved back. Thank you, Flo. Bringing back all the memories. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So City Mapper did this really cool thing that they um, opened up like a mobility index based on how many people were using the app. Because obviously you've still got key workers moving. And so it essentially shows you what percentage of a city is still moving. And I think really in the peak of this, London was down at like 6% mobility. You know? So it was a perfect reflection of, you know, suddenly we have no smog, no pollution in London. And yeah, of course, because 6% of the city is moving only. And it's really exciting to see those data sets coming out. And we've seen lots of people in the data science community doing cool things. Like one of our data scientists actually was working with some of the Google team to look at Meetup's RSVP data from meetup.com. And showing like how coronavirus affected all of that at the beginning. Of course, that's all at zero now. It's all online meetups and webinars and podcasts. But uh, there are so many different kind of proxy data sets available out there to help us understand what's going on. And I'm really glad to see so many of them being used. I was um, I was looking through your blog recently and I, I did notice that about the human mobility data and exactly how important it is at a time like this. You had some blogs about why lockdown matters, exploring human mobility data in Italy when Italy's numbers were at their peak. You were talking about how location data streams can be used to fight against COVID-19. I think there's really been a a huge emergence in spatial use cases that we weren't faced with before. What have been some of the other use cases that you've seen come out of this? You mentioned contact tracing before. That's something that's very big news here in Australia at the moment because we've just released an app which everybody is being encouraged to download, which is a contact tracing app. I've been talking to people about the movement of goods like PPE, for example. What are some of the the use cases you guys have seen come out of this that you maybe wouldn't have seen or thought of before a pandemic happened? Mm. Yeah, there's plenty of them. The track and trace, that's uh, definitely for delivering parcels. I mean, contact tracing. Uh, Contact tracing app is launched here today in the UK. Obviously, that's a huge push by so many governments. And with that comes the interesting use case of indoor mapping. So as we do return to work, um, there are certain organisations who do depend on being in an office. And I'm sure as we start to move towards like an events and conferences phase, that's also going to be really important. But actually one of our um, design and architecture firm clients called Perkins and Will have been doing some really interesting things to plan layouts in office for post-COVID to ensure compliance with social distancing. So uh, if only 40% of people, for example, can go to the office, you need to make sure that there's capacity, you need to turn things into workstations, you need to make sure that certain bottlenecks within the building have more rigorous cleaning schedules. So so that's been one. Uh, PPE distribution has been another uh, in terms of making sure that stock is distributed in line with the amount of population that there is, and it's distributed to the demographic who needs it most or where there's more key workers. Site selection for testing centres was another one. That was a very interesting one. I, I read an article about it in, in the UK media and it was saying that, you know, they were more often than not going to kind of IKEA car parks, large airport car parks, so that they're out of town, which was very often very difficult for key workers in their uh, medical 
industry to get to. That was another one. There, there are really so many of them. I think one of the most interesting ones I saw last week and that I shared with the, the team in Madrid and Seville is, you know, going to the beach as it is in Australia is a big part of, of the life in Spain. Uh, we saw that one user was actually planning kind of capacity for beaches because obviously you're going to need to have that social distance on the beach. And so they were actually looking at the space of a beach and understanding how many people could potentially go there. I don't know whether they're looking towards doing like ticketing systems, but uh, but yes, I'm glad to know that somebody's planning for us to all get onto the beach soon. Absolutely. We thankfully, like we didn't have to, to get to a point at that, but I can't imagine a European summer without Europeans being at the beach for an entire day. So it is important. <laughs> um, it certainly is. <laughs> so I'm interested to hear your thoughts about something that's come up in a previous podcast. And like I said before, as people are becoming more acutely aware of location and their, the role they play in it and how they're getting traced, for example, or even something like mobility data or data streams is about understanding what different companies might know about you. Something that is coming up a lot I've, I've realised in the past few months as people are becoming more aware of spatial science and the role they play in it is that they're asking a lot of questions about privacy. Is that something that you've been asked about at Cardo and, or is, is it something you've seen a trend in more people wanting to know the answers about what is collected about me? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I think even pre-pandemic, that awareness was, rise, was rising all the time. You know, now you switch on Netflix and you can see a ton of documentaries about privacy and Cambridge Analytica, Brexit campaign, you can see it on the US elections, like it's very much at top of mind for lots of people as it should be. And I think it's very interesting to see how opinions change according to the country. If you look at all of the self-diagnosis apps that were launched at the very beginning of this pandemic when people needed to quickly get answers on whether they were likely symptomatic, some countries were just very on board with it and thought, okay, it's helpful that location is tracked when I'm giving this information so that the government can proactively provide resources where, where there are more people who are symptomatic. And we definitely saw different reactions in different countries to that. Like if you look at Singapore, for example, the way that they deal with location and use that in public policy and in health policy is extremely different to the way that it's done in Europe. So I, I think there's definitely a cultural component there. And for sure, we need to make, make sure that the way that these applications are built and the way that the data is used is very responsible. And I think journalism also plays a very important role in, in making sure that that happens. And we all read about it a lot. And more often than not, we aren't really at the forefront of the privacy discussion because we aren't a generator of data at Carto. We work with lots of different providers who, who are generators of data. And I know that the way that they work around anonymization and aggregation is exceptionally rigorous and they have a, they are working constantly with legislators in Europe and with different organizations to make sure that the anonymization is as rigorous as possible but for sure it's it's definitely the forefront right now and I know that you know my uncles and aunties are even talking about this stuff now which is a sign that this is very much a mainstream top of mind issue absolutely and I think the way that people you know understand location intelligence spatial science going forward is going to be very different. I think people are going to be more aware of what the possibilities are. Um, how do you think we'll, you'll see the world or will see the world embrace spatial science now as we hopefully enter a post-COVID-19 world? It's a deep question. I threw a deep, very deep question at you. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a good one. And actually, I was reflecting on this recently because before this whole pandemic, if you think about spatial data science and 
the, the people who work in that industry. A lot of it is, you know, in financial services, private equity, retail, outdoor media, utilities, perhaps like people, it's traditionally been like quite a commercial industry. Although there is also the kind of environmental side of things, a big chunk of people who work in environmental science are also using spatial data science. But I think just because so many of those industries have suffered through this pandemic in that, you know, it's a challenging time for outdoor media because nobody's outdoors. It's a challenging time for retailers because suddenly people aren't buying clothes. Their sudden pockets of retail are doing okay. But previously, all this talent that was working in spatial data science in these industries, I think we'll see more people moving to other industries where they can have a greater impact, whether that's pharma, whether that's healthcare, whether that's government. I think also the public spending in spatial data science initiatives and location intelligence initiatives is going to go up. I'm not saying private's necessarily going to go down, but it, it just to think there's going to be more public spending just because of the way the economy is. So I think it's an exciting time to be working in the industry. And uh, I'm, I'm sure we'll see an, an increase in spatial data science activity for actual public good. Let's hope so. I think that'd be wonderful to see things like that happen. And I uh, will keep abreast of, of what's happening in the world of location intelligence. And I think that this conversation, like the one that we're having now, is going to continue on throughout this podcast you know, towards the end of the year, even into early next year. You guys did a really interesting map um, and some knowledge sharing about having to cancel events, you know, in-person events. It's something that we've had to do at NGIS as well. We run the Indigenous Mapping Workshop every year. We're not able to do that this year. We're moving online. You know, it does raise a question. It's like when things go back to normal, how are we going to do that? You mentioned being able to apply location intelligence to your events once they do come back into the fore and making sure that people stay socially distanced and things like that. What is going through your mind in your role at Cardo? Because it's very, you know, we, you and I have very similar jobs. Um, I know it's something I think about a lot. You know, how, how do you at the moment foresee going back to some kind of new state of normal? It's a very good question. Um, I think as a marketeer like you, Sarah, I think our strategies are going to have to change. Well, they already have changed. But I've seen a growing number of articles. I saw one the other day from the CEO of Amazon Web Services saying that for sure they are going to be, there's going to be a lot less travel, as in inter-country travel after this. And there's going to be more online events, even though I think many of us are just a little bit, I think we've had enough online events, many of us, the past couple of months. But there's definitely going to be a shift in the way that companies hire, buy, partner. I think we'll see that more people will think about leaving the city and working in more remote roles in more remote areas because their companies have seen that it's possible. And so that ultimately will change the way that we run events. And we will we'll probably have to think more about the online component, which I think in a way is a shame because I think that some of the magic of events is that you meet people in the coffee break and you meet people in the lunch break or at the after party and you have great conversations that it's very difficult to have in a Zoom room or and I know that there are more and more kind of software vendors out there that are trying to make these online events kind of more like that but it's very difficult um, so I hope that we move back to some kind of normality and I think we will do our best to make sure that social distancing is used and maybe it's an indoor mapping solution that helps us get there actually we actually been working with a partner right now called Sitem and they're doing some really cool things where you have a mobile app. And actually, if you are within two meters of anybody else with the app, actually, your whole screen goes red and says, comply with social distancing. Oh, so that's knows? so Maybe cool. We, 
it's very cool. So, you know what, maybe we need to eat our own dog food and we need yeah. to use that at our events and use location. I think so. I think that's something we're thinking about as well with some of our larger events. I mean, Indigenous people in Australia are really vulnerable, high risk part of our population. And so that event for sure is something that we're thinking about. You know, we're wondering how long we need to postpone it for. I think the other part of it is, is like, when are people going to feel safe to travel to go to a single location? And yeah, I think it's it's funny, you know, we spend a lot of our time creating solutions and building wonderful maps for other people, but we're going to have to actually start doing that ourselves in order for us to move forward with our own planning <laughs> um, from, Absolutely. from now on. So yeah, crazy, crazy sure. times. So that's all we've actually got time for today, Flo. So I want to thank you very much once again for being on the podcast. Again, you are becoming one of our regular guests <laughs> that comes along to this. I wish that the circumstances in terms of what everyone's facing at the moment were better. I had hoped that at some stage in the next 12 months, I'd be able to make it to one of your spatial data science conferences, which is why I asked that last question, to <laughs> maybe do this in person. But we'll have to wait a little bit longer for that. Do you have any recommendations for resources or a place that people can go to learn a little bit more about some of the things that you mentioned today in the podcast? Yeah, absolutely. Just jump on to cardo.com forward slash COVID hyphen 19 and you can see lots of information about those different use cases or just looking at we subscribe to our blog or to the carto 5 which is our our newsletter on all things geospatial and you'll get some of this content automatically to your inbox but uh hopefully that's helpful and thanks for having me on sarah it's been a pleasure as always and uh, we'll be in touch i hope to see you down under some point too hopefully uh, hopefully we can um we can run a spatial data science conference in Sydney and you'll finally get to go there. I know you've been dying to get to Sydney. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> well, thank you all very much for listening. As always, we encourage you to subscribe to our podcast when you can do that on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Stitcher. You've been listening to Location Matters, the podcast from NGIS covering the world of mapping and location technology. To find more episodes or to read our blog, check out our website, ngis.com.au.